We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the Week 14 preview edition. Of course, as always, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario. And if you're joining us on the stream, you may be noticing a, a different background for yours truly. I am actually in the office, and guess what? So is Mario. We are in different rooms, but we're streaming from the same office space. So I thought this is very similar to uh, the film best in show where, where the, the couple's talking about how they met. It's like, we met at Starbucks, not the same Starbucks, a different Starbucks, the, the Starbucks from across the street. You in the, in this case, of course, reading the J crew catalog, myself uh, reading the LL bean catalog. I haven't seen that. I'm sorry. I, I don't know the reference. What I was going to say is it's like, it's like that commercial from the late nineties or early two thousands or whatever, where they're, they're like, is your child fat? And they, it's a public service commercial. They're like your fat kid is gaming all day, and then they show like this one terrible fat kid who's like calls his grandma from upstairs and like, Grandma, bring me. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This great soda that's bottle. Car- I guess that's Cartman. Uh, he was re- telling him to bring him soda or something. That's right. Um, that's what it's also like. <laughs> he had like a dialing wand, like like obese Homer almost, but uh, he was a real life kid in a PSA commercial, I guess. Yeah, they're still using it today, and he's probably like older than us. Yeah. No feet on the guy. Getting anymore. home with your whole life for being that uh, terrible child. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's dive in. As always, we get into every single game on the slate. This is our, our last week with bye weeks. So a lot of leagues um, with the with the expanded season are using this as the last week, the regular season, and then we'll kick things off for for fantasy playoffs in week fifteen when when the le- playing field is a little more level uh, and there are no bye weeks to be concerned about. But uh, we'll st- start things off as we always do with the Thursday game. We got kind of a funky one. We got um, a, a interconference matchup. We got the Steelers traveling to Minnesota uh, to face the Vikings. Uh, Steelers coming off of a a victory, home victory over the Ravens last week. Happens on the last play of the game, essentially, t- for them to cinch that one. And, and the Vikings continue to be their mercurial selves. Uh, I guess the big fantasy storyline for this one, though, Mario, is Dalvin Cook were, were, what, 11 days removed from his injury against the 49ers in which he suffered that dislocated left shoulder. 
He's questionable, and it seems like he's actually trending uh, towards playing. He's viewed as a game-time call is the latest, according to Josina Anderson of USA Today, and everything points to him at least giving it a shot here. So if you do have Dalvin Cook and he's active, what do you do? I don't know, John. I I guess you hope you have Madison instead, and if you do, I, or if you have Madison also, and if you do, I guess I would just play Madison just because I, I feel like at most, even if Cook plays, the most he could probably do is, I don't know, 20, maybe 30 snaps. And not that that's a guarantee. I guess he could do more than that too. But this quick of a turnaround from a dislocated shoulder, and I don't know if this is the same shoulder that he had the previous dislocation issues with, but uh, best case scenario, he has like, or I don't even know what's better. He has he either has two... Uh, equally destroyed shoulders like once you dislocate those things they're never the same and he's always going to be at risk for re-injury uh each time more than the previous time uh because of this injury so it's either both of them are busted or he has just the most destroyed single shoulder of all time and it's not diluted with the other one so uh that seems to me like a pretty high re-injury risk even if he plays i have trouble believing he can take uh the full workload i'm, I'm thinking like 20 30 snaps so Uh, Maybe I'm too pessimistic on on Cook. Like I was kind of pessimistic about Kyler Murray going into that Bears game. Although Mm -hmm. in that case, even if he had a high ankle sprain, that was the fifth week. And a high ankle sprain usually doesn't take longer than four. With Cook, this this is a very quick turnaround by any standard. And, you know, the position that Kyler Murray plays, it doesn't... Not every single play is going to result in him running and getting hit. The the way that every time that Dalvin Cook's on the field, that's basically what he's signed up for. Yeah, and he doesn't, uh, I mean, I assume it's not great for an ankle to get a high ankle sprain, but he's not at risk for like, just with that one injury alone, he's not at chronic risk of ankle problems like Cook is with shoulders. Yeah, so that it's definitely an issue. Um, I, I think in leagues where I have Madison, I'm still rolling him out there. I still expect yeah. him to, to see the bulk of the of the carries. I, I just think if Cook's active, we see that limited workload that that you alluded to. I, I don't see him pushing for for much more than 10, 12 carries. And it's a tough matchup also on top of it. Yeah, they might want they might be pushing Cook to be active just because uh, I know people like Ngwangu, the or however you say the Iowa State back. But even with Cook out last week, they only gave not Nick, I don't know how to say Ngwangu. Wangwu. Wangwu. Uh Wangwu that only had seven snaps out of sixty-eight plays. So they might just be worried that they're kind of overworking Madison if somebody can't take fifteen additional snaps. Why Zimmer didn't heed my sleeper call on that one, I'll I'll never know. Get the guy with the four three speed in there. Come on. Um just run a screen or something. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Um, but on top of that, Minnesota has more injury issues. It looks like Adam Thielen is banged up as well. So obviously that, that makes Justin Jefferson, uh, if he wasn't already one of you, one of your top five receivers for a given week, uh, you know, even firmer reason for that. But what are kind of the, the secondary options as far as those uh, Vikings pass catchers are concerned? Does, does things funnel more towards the tight ends like Tyler Conklin? Or do we see guys like, like KJ Osborne uh, come, ar- come around a little bit? Well, last week Osborne just played uh, the three down the three down role opposite Justin Jefferson, so that that means he was in during two wide sets. In three wide sets, Dee Westbrook was the third one onto the field, and I guess I don't know for sure where he was lining up because uh, when they had Thielen healthy and Justin Jefferson at the same time healthy, KJ Osborne would be the slot guy in three wides. It looks like 
it looks like we might see them move Osborne outside in three wide sets here and have Westbrook play the slot, which I don't actually like. Westbrook's, uh, I, I feel like he'd be better at outside receiver and downfield. Like he kind of sucked playing in the slot for Jacksonville. Not good in traffic. Right. Yeah. He's like tiny. He doesn't like the contact. He drops the ball a lot when he gets hit. So uh, we'll see. I would I would keep Osborne in the slot and three wide if I were them. But uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do. But Osborne, he's played a lot more than Westbrook. He's been more effective than Westbrook. And uh, Westbrook is maybe still not even 100 percent from that late season ACL tear that he had last year. So I think you can expect Osborne to play at least 50 snaps. So you going to be in your showdown lineups. I'll have to think about it. I mean, it's it's a it's not a bad matchup, especially with Hayden out. I don't know how much. Maybe they got Witherspoon more in last week. I'll have to look for the Steelers. But when Pierre, whatever his name is, was out there, he was getting beat like a drum. And uh, maybe Osborne's kind of maybe he's a little overexposed in a three down role. But especially if he's running against you know backup corners for one game, I think he can carry that load. Okay, uh, I could definitely see it. I, but like Conklin could be also, in, he's just kind of like in that underneath sort of middle of the field kind of area. Right, exactly. So Con- Conklin, I think, with, with just like the sheer amount of targets that, that are removed with, with uh, Thielen's absence, I figure that that Conklin kind of profiles as like a fringe, uh, maybe top 10 t- type of tight end for this week. So yeah. um, I, I like his chances this evening. On the Steelers' side, uh, what what are we looking at? Obviously, Deontay Johnson coming off the, the pretty monster performance last week. Um, Najee Harris, you know, obviously just continues to churn as as the primary running back for them. What what's what's there to see uh, along the fringes for for this Pittsburgh offense? Well, I, I guess uh, I'd be a little worried about Roethlisberger on the short week maybe making the Vikings defense look a little better than it normally would be. looks like uh, after one week out, Eric Kendricks is back. So that could be quite a bit of additional pressure for Najee Harris. Cause Kendrick's definitely one of the best. And with him out of the lineup, I think, I think that had something to do with uh, Jamal Williams having the decent game that he did. So Kendrick's being back that that's pretty concerning for the explosive upside of Harris, though the workload seems like it's non-negotiable. That'll be there. Um, I would think that Claypool is better at threatening these, these Vikings corners, like guys like Bashad Breland and Cameron Dantzler are both slow, uh, especially Dantzler, but Breland's been getting beat deep his whole career. So Claypool may be better at beating them than Deontay Johnson might be, but Ben Roethlisberger is so much more dependent at throwing the part of the field where, where Johnson is that, uh, I guess I guess you consider Deontay Johnson still the the lead guy there, even if Clay, Claypool runs in a part of the field that Roethlisberger just can't strike as readily as as Johnson does. Right, exactly. So yeah, so Johnson ten, tends to be the one with, with the higher floor on a week to week basis, but Claypool can can be the bigger big play threat. Uh, but you you that relies a lot on Roethlisberger getting the ball there, and uh, that that tends to be a bit of an issue. Let's get on over to Sunday's action. Leading things off, Seahawks, Texans. Seahawks, eight-point favorites on the road. Seahawks coming off the impressive game a week ago against a, you know what at the time was one of the hotter teams in the league in the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, a lot has been made of, of Russell Wilson's overall record against uh, the 49ers. So, you know, you take that into account, but you also have to think about how the Seahawks had played in, in recent weeks uh, since Wilson's return. Was last week the the sign that that Russ is back 
or are we pumping the brakes on that? And can the Texans even do anything ab- about it either way? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe Wilson would have had more pressure on him in that game if Garoppolo hadn't turned it over twice. And maybe under that additional pressure, he wouldn't have looked as improved as he might otherwise at a glance. I have no idea how to guess what's going on with Wilson because I, I think it does just come down to the, the state of his hand, his, his finger, whatever, because I'm, I'm probably more critical of Wilson than most people actually. But even at his worst, I don't think he has games, especially not in a row. Does he have games uh, like what Washington and the other one where Green he couldn't get the yeah I couldn't get the ball to, to Metcalf, uh, and I guess he's still working on that even now. But if Wilson is improved, Metcalf will eventually show back up. Like the idea that he's just going to disappear for no particular reason isn't possible. Uh, so it is possible that the finger is still an issue, but. I, yeah, I don't know how to call that from here. I guess you could say um, against the Texans, it might not matter. And maybe we'll see it over the course of their game plan. Like if, if they try to air it out a bit here, then maybe he is feeling better and they are trying to kind of regain a rhythm and identity as a, as a passing offense. But if they give uh, whatever the coalition of Homer and Penny and DJ Dallas, Collins, whoever, if they give them like 40 carries combined, then maybe they're trying to hide the, the hand a little still. Right. And, and you know, I think that, that they would endeavor to try to, to get that big lead, especially if if Wilson and they don't think that he's at 100 percent, then just kind of put this one on ice in the, in the second half with it with a lot of run plays, that type of thing. How do you sort out that that Seattle backfield? Obviously, Adrian Peterson scores last oh, week. Right. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that that happened. That was a real thing that happened. I, I saw uh, Rashad Penny draw a lot of fab interest this past week. Collins, obviously, on the injury report. DJ Dallas showing some explosive last week in his own right. Is this going to be something that that it's basically impossible to to guess or with any sort of real statistical backing as far as who who among these guys is going to be the most fantasy relevant? That's how I feel about it. I the way I look at it is if Penny is healthy, he's clearly the most talented player here, but he's been hurt and uh unproductive too. I, I guess not so much last week, but the games before that, going back to last year when he initially came back too soon from that knee injury, uh, Penny has not even been productive. So I know that he had his critics all along. Like a lot of people hated that pick just because, you know, they didn't expect him to go as high as he did. Uh, but if Penny is healthy, he's a pretty well proven player from scrimmage. Like he's, he's more of a speed back than a power back, but he has a certain level of explosiveness that in his first two years, he reliably produced. And uh, after the injuries of last year, the knee injury, He's just kind of been a dud. So I don't think he's healthy. And if he's not healthy, um, he's just probably not very good. And if he's not very good, then, yeah, DJ Dallas can play ahead of him. Travis Homer could play ahead of him. Alex Collins apparently will if whenever possible. So um, I'm not inclined to look at any of them, really. The one thing is it seems that DJ Dallas is their passing down guy. So um, I don't know how much that'll be necessary against the Texans, but when they pass, you can count on Dallas being out there. But when they run, you can't really count on anyone in particular. Yeah, it's 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 one of the just kind of black holes among among uh, running back depth charts to to find out there. It's really been uh, almost impossible to sort out. And no matter who the right answer has been, it hasn't really been right enough for for it to like be a, a huge jolt to your respective fantasy lineup. And on the other side of that one. Uh, any anything of interest on, on Houston side, especially now they're switching back to Davis Mills. 
Um, Even I guess now. he he's got to be better for the receivers, the pass catchers, than Tyrod, if only because he's he's not going to take as much of a share of the offense from scrimmage as Tyrod, and and the share that he gives up is going to turn into pass attempts. So that's that's something for the pass catchers, I guess. But I uh, I don't know how you project the, the productivity of a team like this and the the situation that they are. There's basically like a seems like a slight mutiny occurring against the coach, or at least I don't know what Zach Cunningham, Cunningham could have done to get them so pissed off at him that they cut him. Showing uh, up late. He, uh, what's that? Showing up late. I thought I saw. It's got to be more. He had to. He must have like they said come in, and he was like no, something like that. It must. It must have been. It must have been him being like you're a chump, David Cully. I don't care. I'll say it in front of everyone, and then it takes something like that to get you to cut what probably like your third best player not that he's uh, he's not like a all pro or something but Cunningham's good he's he's the probably the best defensive player at the moment by quite a bit so uh for them to cut him and, and after recently extending him to that pretty sizable contract they have to be just an embarrassing wreck uh on the inside and I don't know what you know street ball is all they're really capable of playing maybe something happens but it's probably not the ideal way to go about it yeah it's it song remains the same uh, as far as, as Houston is concerned. So we, we, don't, we don't need to unpack that too much further. Uh, we got a viewer question from our friend C Griffin wants to know, should he take a little bit of a risk this week at quarterback going with, uh, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill, not to confuse him with Tyreek Hill. Um, <laughs> again, it took me a second there. I was like, is this a super flex? And you, st- you start him over cousins, but um, basically Taysom Hill, with the busted hand in his own right, or Kirk Cousins playing on the short week? Oh, man. This is a tough one, and it's probably one of those questions that I'm one of the worst people to ask because uh, I I kind of do want to go with Hill, but that might mean it's a reckless and stupid thing to do. Uh, the The fact that I think it's a good idea might mean that. But, but I do playing the Jets. You I know? know, and it's like if he just – I mean, if anything, the hand injury means they have to run that much more uh, yeah, less passes for him, the better. Like have, after last week, holy smokes! Like some of the most pathetic interceptions any of us have ever seen. Yeah, uh, man, I can't. I don't know because it's it's if it doesn't work, it's one of those things where everyone will will rightly say like you're an idiot. How could you possibly advise someone to do something so irresponsible? Uh, I don't know. I think I think I would do it, but I can't. I can't really advise anybody else to do it exactly. Uh, I'll it's back a lot you. Of, I'll back risky. you on this. If you want to play it safer, I would go with Cousins, but I am tempted by just the rushing. Like if they go just vintage BYU against the Jets, and they might be able to, then then Hill could put up, you know, like that like that Texas game or whatever. Yeah. So so you know the the risk is baked in. He knows that um, if he goes with, with Taysom Hill over Kirk Cousins, then uh, he will obviously be kicking himself if Hill totally implodes. But I think in this particular situation, going up against the Jets, whereas Cousins working with a you know fifty percent at best Dalvin Cook and no Adam Thielen against the Steelers. Yeah. All right, I, the Thielen detail. Now that you, not that I forgot that, but I'm a little more spooked by Kirk when when he say it all in a row like that. Also, uh, famously awful in prime time is Kirk Cousins. So, so let okay, there it is. We talked it out. the 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 board of trustees has spoken. It's Taysom Hill over Kirk Cousins week, everybody. <laughs> Let's do it. Everyone. Let's ride. Okay. On to the next one. We got 
Cowboys going to the nation's capital to face the football team. Cowboys four point favorites in this one. The Cowboys coming off a a win over that Taysom Hill led Saints team a week ago on Thursday. Um, Washington coming out of that exciting game against the Raiders this past weekend. I believe this is the first time that that they've clashed this this season. How do you see this one shaking out? Well, the Washington defense um, seems like it's getting a little better lately, but it's hard to tell how much that means because they they couldn't really have gotten worse. There's a chance they would have gotten better for for no particular reason. Uh, maybe there's a reason. I just just don't really see it. Obviously, the problem is we also don't really know what Zeke Elliott's status is. Like we know he's going to play. We don't know what percentage he's at. And you're talking seventy five percent Zeke Elliott. That's a, that's a big difference between even 85 or 95. And his numbers lately have been more like 75, you would think almost because, uh, yeah, some tough matchups in there, but he just doesn't have the burst. He, he looks like, uh, you know, Cowboys, Eddie George or something like that. Yeah. And and uh, then, you know, that it's such a stark comparison when they do bring Pollard out there. It's like, oh, there, that's what, that's what it's. Yeah. Like one of these guys is not hurt. It seems like, and the other is, um, but yeah, so Pollard, you feel good about and, if you're the Cowboys, I don't know what reason you have to give. If you must play Elliott while he's hurt like this, have him play 15, 20 snaps if possible. Give Pollard, somebody, anybody, that other work. Like You're going to get more for those reps, and you give Elliott more of a chance to heal. Um, apparently, they're not so interested in the second part. So we'll see. They could choose to keep hurting themselves by putting give, giving Zeke reps that Pollard I guess the foot is bears monitoring though. If, if Pollard's foot is messed up, I guess they don't really have much choice. Uh, but yeah, the Dak should be in a good spot here. Um, I can't really see any reason why the Dallas offense would fail. Uh, the question I guess is whether the Washington offense can make a game of it. And I do like the, I do like the chances of Terry McLaurin running against this kind of defense. Like I, I think if you're going to stop a guy like McLaurin, you need someone ideally more like, Casey Hayward for the underneath and intermediate like last week and, and a safety to put on him too. Like that's, that's how you need to approach Terry McLaurin. If you're, if you're trying to gamble against Terry McLaurin, like the the Cowboys corners tend to, that's, that's just like, that's just too much fire to be playing with at once. And uh, if they do that, I I do think they, they open themselves up to the big play because McLaurin's just, you know, fire alarm all Mm -hmm. the time, every play, like you have to be on him. And if, if you let him wander around, if you start wandering around, he'll probably just get behind you. So, um, I do think Heineke has him. It has it in him to make it a close game. Um, I guess it would depend on whether that if the Cowboys' pass rush can get to him before McLaurin can, you know, really hit top speed. Yeah, so th- that's obviously a huge. You know, we'll we'll see Dallas do everything in in its power. You know, uh, looking forward to a potential Diggs McLaurin matchup. I don't know if they do shadows. Um, or, or not as far as the, their cornerback rotation goes. They should because Anthony Brown is, you know, a real sitting duck on the other okay. side. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a, that'd be an issue. And then uh, your thoughts on Amari Cooper. This will be his second week back. Um, runs 19 routes last week, uh, targeted just a couple of times. Caught both of them, though, for, for 41 yards. Had, had that one uh, long reception against the Saints. Uh, we expect him to be more involved this week to, to the point where you start him with confidence. I think you probably start him. I don't know if you you don't really take it for granted that he'll be himself, but the matchup is good. There's urgency on Dallas's part. Like they, maybe he can't play every snap he normally would, but you get the feeling that Dallas might need him and might know it and might might plan to get him some shots. 
Uh, he only needs probably 25 snaps, 35 snaps to be as productive as, uh, you know, some, some other players who are at the very least wide receiver threes in fantasy, maybe even wide receiver twos. They could also do something where even if, even if he still doesn't have his, his, you know, his breath, his wind back because of COVID, they could just make sure he's only out there for pass plays pretty much. Uh, not, not hurry up, I guess, but, uh, they could do a thing where they, he plays only 25, 30 snaps, but he runs, you know, uh, so, so that would be like half of a, his normal snap workload. Maybe he gets to three fourths of his normal t- route count, even if they cut the, the overall workload in half, something like that. So it, it's kind of risky. I guess some, some team might be so rich that they have a clearly better option. And I wouldn't worry about benching Cooper in that case, but generally I think uh, he, he should be, in most lineups that have him. Yeah, I feel good about about him. You know, last week he looked good just on the on the limited workload. I, I expect him to play closer to to you know his full snap share. You know, push for for over forty, maybe even fifty snaps in the, in this one. And and you know, if that's the case, that would be a slam dunk. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Let's let's move on over to our next game. But before then, we got a quick message from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. And we're moving on. AFC South, Jaguars, Titans. Titans coming off the bye, Jaguars coming off another Jaguars week. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. <laughs> go on. Oh, well, Urban Meyer is just the biggest loser in the world, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, the, so so that guy doesn't do anything, first of all. He, he just kind of sh- he just shows up, 
to that job gets paid a lot uh, to just kind of, you know, give a couple, he looks around very, probably very seriously. He, he looks around so that everyone knows how, how closely he's watching and how serious, seriously as a coach, he's, he's assessing everything, but there's nothing in that head of his, there, there's no thoughts other than like, mm, I want cheeseburger. I want, uh, you know, whatever, whatever he just wants, well, that's relatable. Whatever is well, yeah, but like the thing is, you not you, you space yeah. it out, you keep it under control. You don't you don't feel so entitled that uh, you just you you go through life with just like a series of urges running through your head that that leads you giving orders to underlings of various kinds, and and those underlings maybe being running back coach Bernie Parmalee, who if you as Urban Meyer, for instance, were to bench someone like James Robinson for someone like Carlos Hyde in the press asked you if you did that, you might just, you being John, you would say, yeah, that was me. I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You could say something like that. But if you're urban Meyer, what you do is, you know, knowing perfectly well that it was your choice to have that happen. You don't quite deny it. You just sort of, you sort of uh, go like, Oh, I don't really No, I don't think I did. I don't think I don't micromanage the running backs coach is the thing you, you got to know. And it's like, actually he did. Uh, he did say, you know, put put Hyde put Hyde in there, get get Robinson out, uh, and then he blamed it on the running back running backs coach instead of just owning his his decision there. And not just that, but like he doesn't do anything else, which means this is the only thing he does do. He sits around just like with a with nothing in particular in his head all the, all over the course of the week throughout the game, and because he's he still feels in some part of him that like yeah, I am actually the the coolest, you know, badass coach on the man. He he needs to kind of prove that to himself occasionally by actually raising his finger for something. And so when he sees a fumble by a player like James Robinson, he goes, "Ah, it's this is a moment for me to to prove what a what a real coach I am and show how serious I am by saying, "Hey, stop fumbling. I don't like fumbles." Uh and and so he does that and he feels like, "Hey, I'm I'm really setting an example here. I've done my job for the day. I can go do whatever, you know, philandering I had in mind and, and be done with this now. Uh, anyway, this Trevor Lawrence and James Robinson both went to the press basically in the past few days and were just like, this is a joke. You know, they, they didn't come out and say it that way. But if you read the quotes and if you um, account for how these players normally behave politically, how they normally speak in these situations, you can see the hints. They're laying it out there for anyone who wants to see it. Trevor Lawrence is basically like, yeah, I, I told, I said, Meyer, don't bench James Robinson, please. And then he did it. And he felt he felt the need to go to the press and leave that out there. James Robinson said, oh, yeah, I did get benched after Meyer said, no, we didn't bench him. So they don't respect him. They're they're kind of doing what's going on in Houston, probably. Yeah. But it's just like a way dumber version somehow because of it being the Jaguars. Yeah, it's it's been impressive. The the, the fail off between the two of them. So anyway, uh, Titans win, even though they suck. <laughs> OK, but sticking with the Titans. There are some fantasy implications here. Obviously, with, with a juicy matchup coming off the bye against the Jaguars, who's the running back to start? I, I think it's got to be Hilliard. Like, I was interested in Foreman if the competition was only Adrian Peterson. Um, but Dontrell Hilliard, don't get me wrong, I, I lost the faith. I stopped keeping track of him after the Browns cut him whenever that was. But before the Browns cut him, he looked pretty good with the Browns, and he was a totally good player at Tulane. So he had pretty decent pro day testing, I think, also. So Hilliard checks every box, really. I mean, he's, he has no pedigree as a, as a prospect, but he's always played well when he's gotten opportunities, and he's a good athlete. So him and McNichols are both clearly the best players there. And if, if McNichols can't play, I think Hilliard's the guy. 
Okay, so so with, with that, is Foreman kind of third on your on your pecking order? Yeah, he he's. I I don't think he's the guy that he was at Texas. You know, like that Achilles tear really did make him more like a four six five guy. And Deontay Foreman, if he's running a four four five, is pretty interesting. If he's running a four six five, he's just some guy. Right, exactly. You know, because he he does check in with with that big frame, six one two thirty six, but breaking or his broken tackle percentage, bottom twenty five percentile um, among running backs. So you you know you want someone that's supposed to be that big and powerful to to hold up the the powerful um, end of of that bargain. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. You want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. Also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo DFS. The NFL season is heating up and Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests now being shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS, as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of that free $10 in site credit offer to join any paid contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the weekly $1 million DFS Baller Contest. The weekly $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving 100000 and tons of overlay in prizes. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 and to get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, Mario, on to the next game as we press through the week 14 slate. We got a good one here. Raiders, Chiefs, Chiefs, nine and a half point favorites. Obviously, I think what, one of the more standout games from this season was that first installment Chiefs Raiders on that Sunday nighter. I think it was kind of at the at the peak of the malaise for the Chiefs. Everyone was wondering if they were ever going to wake up. They woke up that night. I think they've kind of gone back to sleep in a way a little bit, um, but they, they get the Raiders at home now. What say you? So... I don't think the Chiefs offense has really solved its issue. Its its issue is they only really can capitalize on certain parts of the field, at least to the standards that they're accustomed to. They can only capitalize to that extent in certain parts of the field. And defenses are spamming that part of the field. Most defenses, I should say. Uh, the Raiders, the one exception. Uh, but most defenses are spamming those parts of the field that the, the Chiefs are basically dependent. And at the very least, those defenses are kind of bluff, like bluffing – you know, 
that the, the Chiefs aren't going to take anything underneath. And the Chiefs generally have failed to call that bluff. They, you know, aside from that one game where Daryl Williams had a thousand yards receiving because the defense, every single play is just like, we're not covering this guy. We're going to sit over here and not cover this guy. And for most of the, the, the struggles, Mahomes would kind of just look at Daryl Williams be uncovered and say, you know, I got I still got to get Tyreek going. And he'd, he'd ignore T- Daryl Williams and try to force it somewhere else. You have to just take that Daryl Williams play until the defense covers it. That's the, that's the reality. And if you can't, then you need to replace the Daryl Williams analogy with like the run game with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I do think Clyde Edwards Hilaire helps. So it's not as bad as before, but basically I think the only reason the chiefs had that big game against the Raiders is because the Raiders run the outdated kind of defense that we know does not work at all against the chiefs. So Gus Bradley can either become a different coach or at least, you know, competently implement a game plan that isn't within his, his normal uh, preference or Mahomes gets back on track here because the Raiders are running a bad idea against him. So I I'm inclined to say that Mahomes has another big game here. I don't really, I don't trust that Gus Bradley can come up with anything else. And unless he can, I don't think that the, like the cover three stuff that the Raiders run, it, it doesn't work like that. That will just get you vintage Mahomes if you run that. Okay. All right. So, so looking, th- things are looking good as far as the, the Chiefs' offense potentially and um, defense in, in this rematch. Yes, the defense playing much better. How's that set up for a, a skill position group for the Raiders that is sorely lacking? I mean, Hunter Renfro is kind of option one right now. Uh, Darren Waller still on the injury report. And then you've got, you know, guys like Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, Sean Jackson. None of those guys making huge impacts right now. So beyond Jacobs and, and Carr, and Waller, if he's healthy, is there anyone that you can really feel decent starting now? No, I think uh, Renfro, I guess, you know, I guess a certain target count is always worth something. But I worry about every single part of the, the Raiders offense falling apart here. Not so much the run game. I guess if they stick with that, Jacobs can get a decent chunk on the ground. But I, I do think Jacobs might need to be their leading pass catcher here. And if so, like they're just they're just kind of. Chiefs cover is where I'm going with this. I think Chiefs just rock them. Uh, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, the, the Raiders they they kind of they started hot, then they they had a small resurgence here. But I, I think that they're they're going to be true to form here and and be kind of like a, a slightly below average team that, that gets taken advantage of by a good team. Let's get on over Saints Jets. This one being played at the Meadowlands. Uh, Saints five and a half point favorites on the road is it even with the the Jets detail here that feels like a lot of points to be trusting with the Saints but again it is the Jets detail yeah so the Jets defense was is probably the worst in the NFL even when it's fully healthy but uh, they might be without Sheldon Rankins again with this one and I guess CJ Mosley might even be out I guess we'll see what happens with his back issue but Rankins is a really good run defender. It hasn't really shown up in their box score, I guess. But he's a good player, and without him, they get worse. So the be it Ingram, whoever, if, if, if the Saints need Tony Jones to run the ball in this game, I think they'll be able to. So uh, hopefully for that for the the listener viewer who who asked about Taysom Hill and, and our subsequent advice to go with Hill over Cousins, hopefully Hill gets also in on that big game. But basically, the Saints could run for like. I don't know, like 225 yards here. Yeah, it, yeah. This um, this will be 
tricky for the Saints slowing them down, or, or the Jets. I'm sorry, slow, slowing them down. Uh, your thoughts on Kamara? How much that he, how much workload he he could realistically project for if you know Ingram is to miss this game, which is kind of expected at least as of Thursday. Well, full practice on Wednesday, so I it seems safe to say that Kamara is going to get at least and and very least half the snaps. Uh, or at least that's the way I see it, assuming he doesn't have a setback or something like that. Even if they give him a rest day on Friday, I think it's pretty clear that if they do, it's because they plan to give him something like 40-plus snaps. So, yeah, Kamara, he's, he's going to be out there. I think he's going to have probably a pretty big game. Maybe he needs to get it done on the ground. Maybe there's not so much he can do as a pass catcher. But even if he has to do it all on the ground, uh I would be surprised. I would be disappointed if he's not a running back one this week. Yeah, I would too. And, and you know, famously, we, we have a little bit of sample uh, from a year ago of, of how um, uh, Taysom Hill and, and Kamara coexist and, and, you know, a lot of hand-wringing about the lack of targets. Um, but we've seen it, it kind of see change as far as how Kamara is used in this offense this year. Gets the ball more when it, when he's healthy. He's he's running the ball a lot more than he ever has in his career. So um, I think no Michael the, Thomas either yeah. this time. Michael Thomas was poaching his pass catching work. See exactly. So so do, you can't take the that sample one to one apply it to this year. That that's what I'll um, say out there on that. On uh, on the Jets side of things, Tevin Coleman was in the concussion protocol as of Wednesday. Does, does that do anything for you for for a Ty Johnson? Or, or are we just kind of out on this backfield and game script might get away from him? Well, Ty Johnson, I guess, could get those check down passes, even if they're falling behind. And I don't know. It's it's a there could be enough usage for Ty Johnson that he's actually pretty interesting. It's especially in PPR, where if he catches only if, if he catches the ball five times and it only goes for 25 yards, you're not you're not terribly burned by it in PPR. So. I'm a little more interested in Ty Johnson than I expected, but yeah, it's not because I expect it to go well. Yeah, yeah, I, that, that's basically the 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 nicest thing you can say about uh, any of these Jets skill guys at this stage. Let's move on over Falcons Panthers Panthers two and a half point favorites in this one. Obviously, had the the famous coaching shakeup uh, dur- during the bye, going ahead and, and jettisoning Joe Brady, who was the golden boy. And basically all of football as of about two years ago this time. As of about uh, three months ago. Uh, yeah. And now here we are. Uh, very very uh, rapid descent for him. I don't know what, you're, what you can really do if you're Joe Brady um, or what you could have done. You know, you come into this year thinking it's going to go one way. Darnold is, is worse than anyone could have imagined. McCaffrey gets hurt. You know, you, you got to make a midseason uh, quarterback change to, to Cam Newton. I mean, it, it was a tough uh, hand that, that he got dealt, I feel like. And uh, the, it feels a little short-sighted and it feels a little bit, uh, you know, overused cliche, but a little shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic as far as the Matt Rule tenure. Yeah, I mean, even if Brady were some version of bad this year, it's it's kind of strange that they would go to the extent of firing him. Uh, short of some kind of disciplinary or, you know, team politics issue anyway, it's strange that they would cut him. And the fact that they did uh, cut, fired, uh, the fact that they did fire him, and since the the, the conventional reasons don't really justify it, I, it does strike me as the kind of thing like uh, David Tepper, you know, he's, he's just some stupid rich guy. He doesn't actually know anything, but he has a lot of power and he has a lot of 
uh, personal experience of, of the, the idea that when he wants something, he gets it and it's easy to get. And it's made, it's basically a matter of him demanding it, ordering it. And, and then he gets what he wants. So uh, when you're used to living that way, you look at something complex, like an NFL team and a season, a multi-year rebuild. And you think, Oh, fire that guy. He's not, you know, just, just, just fire someone. I, I got rich by saying fire somebody. Yeah. It, it works every time until now, David, uh, this is, this is, don't get me wrong. Joe, Joe Brady might not be good. I guess he probably isn't, but like you said, even if he was bad, it's not the reason that the Panthers are in this position and, and rule being willing to fire him instead of just saying like, let's just ride it out. I'll fire him in the off season. Who cares? Like, why, why do we got to fire him now? I just got to do more work in the week now with him not here. Uh, the fact that he was willing to, to use him as the scapegoat, I think means that the owner went to rule and said, you have to do this. And he did it. Okay. That's- so they suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, their defense is pretty good, but they're, 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 they're a really badly run team and, and uh, their problems will not be fixed with this move. Do you think the Falcons go up there and win? I mean, it's, it's, it shouldn't happen. Uh, there, there shouldn't be a reason that the, the Falcons win this game, but definitely think Arthur Smith is a better coach than Matt rule. And maybe the Falcons have less, the the Falcons do have less to work with. Like the the Panthers should have a good defense like that. Despite all their issues, their defense should play well and continue to hold up even against decent offenses, which the Falcons are not, but Arthur Smith, I think can get 110% out of a team. And I I think rule can't get more than 85 uh, or Mm. at least given the circumstances, I don't think he can. So I, I really don't want to bet on either team here, but I guess if I had to, I would take the Falcons just because I don't know. I'm worried about the Panthers even showing up. I'm worried about them having the basic preparation details, uh, you know, dotted and crossed, whatever. Yeah. It's been a mess basically sir, since uh, September uh, for the, Panthers. the whole year. Really? They're, even when they were winning, their offense sucked. Like I remember looking, I was like, oh, this isn't going to keep working. So yeah. once Darnold's not running for 14 touchdowns or whatever he's on pace for, there's just going to be no points left. Oh uh, yeah. That, that Texans game. Oh, uh, interesting times. Long, long ago. doesn't even feel like it was from this season. Let's go on over Ravens, Browns, Browns, two and a half point favorites. These teams met two weeks ago. So the interesting little scheduling quirk Browns, Played in Baltimore, had a bye. Then they get to host Baltimore. Baltimore plays Cleveland at home, goes on the road to Pittsburgh, now goes on the road to Cleveland. Browns, two and a half point favorites. Ravens, their pets' heads are falling off at this point. Marlon Humphrey goes down for the season. They were already giving up so much um, on the defensive end, and and he wasn't having a very good year by his standards, but um, losing him and the drop off between a, a corner rotation that would have had Humphrey and Peters coming into the year. Now, Chris, Chris Westry and Anthony Averett, who we saw get picked on routinely last week, has been picked on routinely all season. Can the Browns do anything, though, to, to really exploit that? Maybe maybe they can screw it up, but I think... So that the scenario the last time these two teams played... Granted, yeah, it took four interceptions from Lamar Jackson for Cleveland to get the win, but or, or sorry, um, it, despite uh, it was despite. despite the four interceptions, yeah, like the Browns, the Browns were only in it because of those four interceptions, yeah, and and that that was definitely true at the time. But this time, without Humphrey, you know, like Humphrey was saying after that game, we were willing to sell out against the run because we were 
willing to take our chances with Mayfield. And part of why you take your chances with Mayfield in those situations is because you have a guy like Humphrey shutting down wherever he's looking with the ball off that play action play. Uh, if it's going to receiver anyway, he is um, this time, if they sell out against the run, they might not be able to do it. Like they'll, they'll maybe they do stop Chubb, but if they do, it's much more likely this time that Mayfield completes the pass in question. So that combined with, I, I really think it's, it's the terminal phase with the Greg Roman offense. If I'll just say right now, if if John Harbaugh isn't fired or if John Harbaugh doesn't fire Greg Roman after this year, I'm not drafting any Ravens next year, maybe Dobbins, um, but I'm not drafting any Ravens next year because the Roman offense is imbecilic and it's, it's to whatever extent it might've worked. It has been figured out by defenses. And if you watch every defense that's playing, playing them this year, except I guess the Colts, maybe you just play off coverage with a basic cover three and you just put your corners at the same spot every play. Those receivers very rarely alternate their, their route depth or the, the stem of the route very rarely changes. Certain guys are in certain places at the same time all the time, and you can set a watch to it. So these defenses are ready. They sit where the routes break. Lamar has nothing every play. This goes on for two or three quarters until Lamar tries to run. If he fails as a runner, the Ravens fail as a team, and he eventually starts throwing interceptions. If Lamar succeeds as a runner – then the defense starts screwing up its zone assignment handoffs, and maybe that's when the passing game gets going. But short of that, it's basically sabotage how incompetent Greg Roman is. And I thought I was a little optimistic actually going into the last game with the Browns because the Browns defense it has a pretty weak scheme itself. And I thought they may they may be dumb enough to run basic press man coverage against the Ravens. And I think if you run basic man coverage against the Ravens, even Greg Roman will light you up. Not that it's him doing it, but you, Roman can't screw it up when you run press man coverage against Lamar. Lamar doesn't see it anymore. This this is not the Ravens offense that anyone associates with Lamar's career production tendencies. They suck. They can't play. I, I don't see how the Browns screw this up. I feel like I just learned a lot about my own team. <laughs> Roman's a buffoon, man, and it's kind of irritating. I just know offense bad. That uh, That's kind of like the, the end of my brain. If, if Jim Harbaugh wasn't around Stanford and Greg Roman around there, then uh, maybe John would have had – the realization by now that this man is a fool. Uh, but instead he's, he's letting Roman yeah. take down the whole ship. It's, it's kind of disgusting. It's bad. Um, I, I think there's personnel issues on the offensive line in the backfield. Don't make it's kind of, uh, Exposed. That's what makes it go completely yeah. wrong as opposed to slightly dysfunctional. Exactly. So like last year, slightly dysfunctional this year, uh, pretty much abject disaster. It's been really bad. So With a huge it. upgrade at receiver. Nice work, Greg. <laughs> Oh, it's bad. It's so bad. So yeah, I like the Cle- I like Cleveland in this one as well. Got a handful more games to get to. Giants, Chargers, Mario. It's Jake Fromm season. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know how that's going to go. I have no idea. I mean, it, it, people who I trust in quarterback evaluations say Fromm just cannot play in the NFL, but he was really productive at least like all the, all the production based quarterback models would say Fromm's probably a good prospect or something. Uh, we saw from Aaron Murray at the same school that that's not always meaningful, you know, great production doesn't always matter. So I think Fromm's probably going to be pretty bad. Uh, Herbert, uh, I don't know if Adoree Jackson's out. Hope, hopefully from Herbert's viewpoint, he is because the, the Giants pass defense might not even be good with no Adoree. They're also down those two safeties. So, um, but on the Chargers end, I mean, you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen on, on the COVID list. Yeah. And, th- and they've been so heavily reliant on those two guys to carry 
um, that that passing offense. I mean, I think Jalen Guyton obviously had the, had the big play last week. Yeah, jump but ball. It's going to be it's going to be worse if you give him if you have to force ten to fifteen targets to to a guy like that. So I mean, do the yeah. Titans get more involved? Josh Parham Palmer. probably, and I, so I was pretty critical of the Josh Palmer pick. I I still hate it, but he is he does project better, I think, as an understudy to Keenan Allen than he does as a full-time outside receiver because the fact that he's not fast doesn't really matter. And he might be able to be a decent backup for Keenan Allen if Keenan Allen is out. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe it's asking too much for a particularly productive game in the volume sense from Herbert. But um, especially if Keenan gets cleared, but even if not, I I feel like they should have enough uh, to – between Eckler and Herbert, maybe Herbert has to run. If he if he has to, I think he can do it. By the way, I I, I kind of think they should look into that. I, yeah, definitely mobile guy. Um, what's it? Runs somewhere in the four sixes. Big dude. Uh, yeah. Load to bring down. Um, so yeah, using him a little bit more in that way. Uh, I'll, I'll tap into our old producer uh, friend at XM, Sandro. He always comes up with with the goofiest DFS plays on a given week. Trey McKitty. Make it happen, baby. Uh, I won't offer a comment on that. Okay, fine. fine. <laughs> it's it's going to go great, John. It's a good pick. <laughs> I'm certain. That he'll play three <laughs> snaps. Um, on the Giants side, I mean, other than Saquon, can you start anybody? Hmm. Uh, maybe Galladay. Maybe. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It doesn't feel good, though. And if Fromm is smart, he will just chuck it at Galladay like throw those ducks at the tall guy if you must throw them yeah I mean yeah just tell him that it's Lawrence Cager or um there you go or Javon Mims <laughs> Javon, Javon Wims Wims uh yeah <laughs> I, my own guy I, I screwed up oh, uh, child uh, forgetting his name too much chili classic yeah I got the chili brain going um all right, before we get on to our next game, our last message from our friends over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guarantee contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. First, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Second, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100 and three play in your first paid contest and receive a free six month rotowire subscription. So again, go on over to, to rotowire.com slash thrive. All right, Mario, let's run through these last handful of games here. Broncos lions lions coming off the, the, uh, they get off the schneid last week. They, they get their first win of the season. Of course it comes, Against the Vikings, um, Broncos did not look particularly impressive in their game against the Chiefs. Nine and a half points feels like a lot. I feel like a lot. That's kind of like the the general analysis there. But List seems to think that the Broncos might be the the side here uh, on that nine and a half point spread. You know, with the Lions coming off of that win, a lot of people might be on them to keep this one relatively close. What say you? I would say the. Broncos win by a lot because, uh, I mean, I guess I guess we can give Goff some credit for playing well, but we don't need to give him the benefit of the doubt going forward over that one game. I mean, 
So you're not Tim Boyle. That's mm-hmm. that's great, I guess, for you. But uh, we would, I think, still expect Goff to do pretty badly against almost any defense. If he had to play the Vikings a second time, I would be like, yeah, let's let's count on a bad game this time. So going going to Denver, going against the Broncos, pass defense, who they've been maybe inconsistent this year, but generally they've been pretty good. And I don't think Goff projects well there. Nope, I don't either. Um, thoughts on the Lions' backfield? Uh. I don't know. I don't trust anybody. I guess Jamal Williams has a certain amount of theoretical security, but I, I'm I'm so pessimistic about his ability from scrimmage that when you compound the fact that they might not actually have that many carries to go go around, I, I do worry about Jamal being a bit of a dud there. Okay. All right. So like a like a flex consideration, like uh <sighs> Poor man's RB2, maybe, for, for this week. It's like, if you got to play him, it's not worth stressing over, but it, I don't think you look for a reason to get him in the lineup. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I like I like the way you put that. Got a quick viewer question here from Smokey the Cat Cat. Who do we play? Ricky Seals-Jones, Gerald Everett, Foster Moreau, the Isle of Foster Moreau, or Cole Komet? Um, let me see. I picked Sorry. up Ricky Seals-Jones in a, in a couple spots this week, so I, I, I might be biased. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, the, Logan Thomas is busted again already. Yeah, he he uh, they thought he tore his ACL. He didn't tear his ACL, but yeah, I believe out. he is out. Yeah. All right. Um, and so, sorry, who are the Bears again? Oh, the Packers. Yeah, I guess I guess I would go with Ricky Seals Jones just because when he was playing earlier, he was getting good target volume. And uh, you would think Dallas less likely than most teams to to be flat on offense. So hopefully they, they've, they drag Washington into a urgent script early on. And, and it's, it's not like you can count on Deandre Carter and Curtis Samuel taking a ton of targets at the moment. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so either. So it should be channeled pretty narrowly there. Um, all right, let's go. A lot of good games here to, to finish out uh, aside from bears Packers, because we know that, that, uh, I mean, that's, the biggest spread on the, on the table, so we might have to leave that one behind. But let's quickly hit uh, Niners Bengals. Bengals at home, giving one and a half, or I'm sorry, getting one and a half at home. I can't, I can't tell what what to think of like the the Shanahan versus Lou Anarumo here. I, I I wish I had watched closely more closely some of the Bengals tape because I I wonder if they don't really have that much in terms of scheme. Like maybe they just kind of play one-on-one and beat you one-on-one and maybe that's how their their good games go well if you just play one-on-one and win one-on-one you have a way of coming up short against Shanahan because he uses trickery so I expect Shanahan to have a good game plan and and even if it's a bad matchup for Garoppolo and even if Garoppolo is not good uh, especially if they could get Debo back I, I like their chances of a bounce back and um, I don't know I, I I guess I like T Higgins and Jamar chase against these 49ers corners, but it's, ha- it's hard to have a lot of faith in the, the median range outcomes with the Bengals. It's like, they, mm-hmm. they seem to blow it a lot more than they should given how dominant they are at other times. So I think the 49ers are better at that mid range outcome being able to, I, I have more faith in them running the ball here, uh, right or wrong. That's not to slight mix. And it's just, I, I, I kind of feel like Shanahan's a better coach than these guys and, and might kind of, just get one over on them. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, the, I guess one thought being, you know, the Bengals, can they afford to drop a second game in a row at home? 
Not you really. Know, yeah, I mean, it, it it would put them in a, in a tough spot, but the Niners need this game as well. So th- this will be a good one. I'm I'm looking forward to that one in the afternoon window. Bills Bucks. You know the the Bills, kind of a soul cleaving loss in front of everybody. Got pantsed in the cold in the wind. <laughs> Terrible uh, by, place by, to have that happen to you. I, yeah, yeah, re- really tough scene uh, for them. So going down to Tampa Bay now. Tampa Bay offense really rolling uh, as we expected. They're playing at home too, where they've been even better. Bills haven't looked right in a little while now, really, if you think about it. And I'm sure that you've talked about it on on the XM show. Yeah, it's been a little bit funky. Um, So what happens here? Um, Maybe Josh Allen can make this a close game. Uh, I I know Carlton Davis is back, but if – it's kind of almost like the way the the Chiefs lit up the Buccaneers in that one half. I think you actually get burned faster by Stephon Diggs if you have the audaciousness to try to press man cover him. And when you have a guy like Carlton Davis, you convince yourself like, hey, let's just put him press on, on their number one receiver. Like, don't press Stephon Diggs. You can't cover him in man coverage. Uh, Carlton Davis doesn't – even if he's a really good corner, he still can't cover him. So – if they go press man, that's the way that Allen beats them. And same as last year. It's like if you play zone, off zone, almost a little bit like the Ravens. If you play off zone and just like don't give Diggs that that close proximity to, to, to juke you and leave you far behind. Like if you just sit further downfield and don't let him uh, put those moves on you, then he can still hurt you, but not as much as the first way. So um, maybe they can make it close, but if not, I – I don't think there's any cure for what ails the bills. Like, I think they just need to restructure their offense, get, get the ability to, to threaten from the ground and the underneath from, from their base looks. And right now they can't. So uh, the, the Buccaneers need to play it a certain way to do well on offense themselves. But if that offensive line can hold up against the pass rush, and I think it will, then Mike Evans especially should be a problem here for the Bills. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it's one thing to say that the Bills defense didn't play well on, on Monday night, but I think now we get to see the true test of what Notre Davis White does to, to that secondary. Um, you know, obviously having to f- defend only three passes. Love Evans this week. Yeah. Big. Maybe like wide receiver one. <laughs> Not quite, but I, I'm really high on him this week. Really high on him. And then you, you're quick. 30-second thought on Rams cards round two before we wrap things up. Rams got some real issues, and it might even be beyond Stafford's injuries, which are a pretty substantial concern themselves. So uh, he struggled in the first game against them. I don't know why it would get better going to Arizona this time. Uh, the Arizona defense is ruthless. I I don't think that the Cardinals offense needs to do that much to get a similar outcome to the first game. Yeah, the, the Rams – Beating the the Jags, it could just be space between losses more than an the first half was win. ugly. It yeah. was not going well for them that most of that game. So yeah, I'm I'm on the cards here as well. Another week of of healthy Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins at home should go well for them. That's gonna wrap it up for this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet for Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.